You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. I have to translate it. All right. Well, I've got the uh, honor to introduce our speaker this morning. Come on, Steve. And it's not Steve, but after all these years, you thought it was Steve. No, today we have, are going to be uh, treated, is that a word, treated, T-R-E-A-T-E-D? Uh, we're in for a treat for uh, this guy. I love this guy. He has got a heart of gold, and uh, you talk about somebody who carries the passion and the love of Jesus everywhere he goes, this guy does it. And uh, him and his wife are like a uh, superhero team. They are just absolutely incredible and amazing. But I want you guys to give a big round of applause for Mr. Dallas Anthony this morning. Woohoo! Yep. I like my timer. Superhero team. That's right. <laughs> no. That is very kind and gracious. Thank you guys for. Uh, having me speak. We just love Chris and Terry. We love this church. We love being here. And it's so good to have everybody in the room this morning. Yeah. Amen? Amen? You know, some things only happen when you're in the room. <laughs> you can, uh, you know, we could go to that story where it's the, the friend who's not doing too well and the friends would do anything to get them in the room. So what they do? They took off the ceiling and they lowered him down right in front of Jesus. And that guy got healed. And he would probably tell you some things only happen when you're in the room. <laughs> so I think that that is uh, definitely the case. And in our time, you know, gathering together, uh, it's a place where God moves corporately. When we come together and we worship and we hear God's words spoken and we are in agreement with that. God is moving, and we're going to receive more having come together than we would individually. Amen? That's why joint and marrow supplying each other. We're a body. We're a body. So we come together, and there's some encouragement and some grace that's only going to come when you're connected to the body around you. So that's just a little caveat. That's not what I'm going to talk about today. That's extra. So I heard a story um, I'll start with. Um, it's a sort of a funny story. So there was a town, and uh, in this town, small town, anybody come from small towns, you guys will understand this. Uh, in it, they had a man pass away, and it was a John Doe. They didn't know who it was. So the sheriff got together with one of the pastors, which was like the only pastor of the town, and they were like, we're going to do a memorial for this guy, but we don't know him, and we don't know anybody who is connected to him. So we're going to, you know, figure it out. So they thought of a guy in town who played violin, and they're like, maybe he could do it, you know. He works in construction, but he could pull out that thing, you know. So they call him, and they're like, hey, we'd love for you to come and do this. We don't know who this guy is, but we feel like it would be appropriate. We're going to do a little you know, memorial for him. So he says, I got to work, but I'll pull out, I'll dust off the violin and I'll come play. So he said, after work, you know, come then. So it's out in the boonies. 
they go all the way out, you know, and they're doing the memorial. And this man gets off work a little bit late. So he's trying to rush to get to this memorial. And he gets turned around. And he's lost. And he's like driving back and forth and doesn't know where it is. Until finally he sees some men who have been sitting there with hard hats. And they've been digging. But they're starting to fill it back in. And he's like, didn't see the pastor, didn't see the sheriff. So he's like, I think I missed it. But he had a decision to make. He could either play at that point or he could just go home. He decided he'd play. So he went out and he mustered up in his heart. And he was like, I'm doing this for this man I didn't know. But he started to play Amazing Grace. The men started to sit down and he's playing his heart out. He's playing so much it's like a tear starts coming to his eye. Even the men with the hard hats, they're like, this is, this is something. They're, man. So he plays and he plays until he feels he's satisfied. And after he plays, he puts down his violin, and the man with the hard hat sits there and says, in all my years of laying septic tanks, I ain't never seen anything like this. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's a funny story. So I figured that might warm up the room a little bit. Okay. So I'm Dallas Anthony. Um, I've spoken once before. Who was here the last time that I spoke? So I told a little bit of my story and how I came to know Jesus. And it was a pretty dramatic encounter. Um, and I got really just, I had an encounter with the presence of God that, that changed my life. Um, and I found that after that, I wanted to do this God thing right. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I want to do it right, you know? So I found myself, I'm like, I'm going to churches, I'm going to prayer meetings, I'm going to everything and anything that I could. If the doors are open or they say there's a meeting, I'm going, wherever it is. But I found that I would go to all these places and I couldn't find what I found in that studio bathroom. And that was very... That was difficult for me because I'm going like, I came to know this man, Jesus, and I'm beginning to open his word and I'm beginning to seek, but I had a hard time finding that same presence in a corporate environment of the church of that time. So I went looking and looking and I ended up getting into a church where the people were very kind, but I, it wasn't exactly there. And I would say that this church was relationally based, which was actually good for me at the time. It was like, uh, some might say it was a little bit seeker, like now that I understand, you know, I've been walking with the Lord for 16 years now and had a lot of history, so now you get all the, the church lingo and you can sort of compartmentalize things. Um, but it was a little bit more relationally driven, but I, over the course of time as I grew in God, I knew there was more, and I didn't know what that more was. But I'm like, I got to go after it. So I'm studying for ministry that whole time when I'm at that church and I'm doing music. And I end up getting hired at a church that's a bit more spirit-filled at that time. And I became a pastor. And I was a pastor, an associate pastor for a church for five years. And I was still growing in that time. And I want to speak from some of the journey that I've been on in that way, because I'm not that anymore. I'm not a vocational pastor uh, anymore. I actually, I'm a hairstylist. I'm a dad and a husband to my lovely wife who sings so well. Um, but I've learned a lot through that, because as I went through those 
things, I begin to understand what I was looking for after that encounter. And some will say, it's not religion, it's relationship, right? Anybody ever hear that? And, you know, that'll push you into that relational side, which in no doubt is good. But the truth is, is that as I grew in the relational route, it still was lacking. So then I went to another side and it was more, it ended up being a bit more religion. There's a thunder moving. God's moving in this place, right? Come on. So something's happening. Godzilla. Okay, okay. Um, I'm a squirrel seeker. So as I moved in that, I began to understand, and now I can say it's not religion or relationship, it's kingdom. It's kingdom. Because if you get kingdom, then you get relationship, you know? But kingdom is diametrically opposed to religion. Okay? So I want to speak into that a little bit as we go. But if I had a message title today, it would be discerning the kingdom. I don't know what that is, but it is very interesting. Um, Okay, okay. It must be John Wick. <laughs> he just took out 200 men. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, what's wrong with you guys? We're trying to, come on. No. So what I'm going to do is I'm, I want to pray for a second, if that's okay. And you guys just join me. And we're going to dial it in and uh, then press in. So Father God. Lord, we just invite your Holy Spirit. He is here, but in saying that, Lord, we become more aware of your presence, Lord. Your word says that the kingdom of God is within us, God. So we ask, Lord, that your kingdom would come, illuminate itself within our hearts, Lord, that your word, Lord, would be illuminated. It would bring revelation and freedom to the hearts of your people. Lord, that we ask that you would be exalted, Jesus, in this place. Lord, that you would uh, bring down everything that needs to be brought down, Lord, and that you would be lifted high in our hearts, Lord. So have your way in this place. Rid this place of any distractions and any of those things so that your word can be forefront and center, Lord. Speak through me, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. Amen. So... In that, I found, uh, I think I wanted to become somebody, you know, and I learned how to be somebody in the church, and um, simply said, that was not good, <laughs> and I'm going to unpack that as this goes, but I want to speak into that, really uh, some of the thoughts I'm going to go at is the fact that good things are not always God things. And even the most uh, noble of aims can miss what God is actually trying to do in our lives. So it's going to be about discernment. Anybody, you know, that's a fun word. I've always thought that was never really fun, like wisdom and discernment. I've had God many times interrupt my charismatic 
uh, prayer meetings with en engaging me with wisdom or something like that. I can remember a time where we had young people over at our house. People were getting healed and getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. When we were young in the Lord, we'd just worship and God would show up. And I remember this happening. And after it all left, I would start fasting and praying and be like, God, we need more of that. And I'd be like, miracles and healings. And I had the Lord move right in and say, if you knew what season you were in, you would ask me for discernment. And I was like, you ruined my prayer meeting. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? And I, I can still remember the, the shift it took in me. I'm like, that doesn't seem fun or, or like exciting. But now I look back and I understand what he was saying in the totality of what I've experienced. And discernment is not the difference between right and wrong. It's the difference between right and almost right. It's the difference between good and God. So if we were to go into a text today, I'd want you guys to look at, and we're going to, but I'm not going to pull it up. So I want you guys to look at Genesis 3, 6. Um, Genesis 3, 6. So this was a, a place, and I'll tell you another story while you're pulling it up because I want you guys to look at this while I'm reading it. Um, I had another time where the Lord was interrupting my charismatic uh, passion. Um, and I would sing the old song, you know, more love, more power, more of you in my life. Y'all remember that one? Y'all old school? So I was doing that in a prayer meeting and it was like, it was rolling. It was like, man, woo, woo, woo. And I was like feeling it and it was like really connected. And I can remember like sitting and, you know, processing afterwards and the Holy Spirit came and got me again. And he said, you always ask me for power and love, but you never ask me for a sound mind. And I was like, you messed up my prayer meeting again. <laughs> These wisdom things. So I think uh, I would, you know, there's a place of a spirit of wisdom and discernment that we need. Like the enemy comes as an angel of light. Uh, he comes bringing like one, I'm bringing you revelation. I'm illuminating something to you. That's what it says. Jesus says when he sends you out, you have to be as wise as a serpent. <laughs> it's a prerequisite to what God wants to do. There has to be this discernment, this soundness of mind, this spirit of wisdom, because there is deception out there that can cause you to be disillusioned and can cause you to fall away from what God would have for you. And that's what I'm seeing with so many people. I think people are disillusioned by different things and they're beginning to fall away and it's because they never sought a spirit of wisdom. So, Genesis 3, 6. Everybody got it? It says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. All right. So you see that there's actually three descriptions here within it. It's good, 
and it's pleasant, and it's desirable. So the first one is? There we go. Y'all are with me. The first one is? There we go. Okay. So it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We know that. You know, this is the ancient original story, the original temptation. But if you look at this, he tempted her not with the evil side. He tempted her with the good side. It's like he didn't even show her the evil side. All she saw was good. And in seeing that good, that were, was where the temptation was. There's a parable that Jesus taught in Luke. It's Luke 14. You can write it down, but we're not going to go through the whole thing for the sake of time. Luke 14, and it's verse 15 through the end of the chapter, and he speaks of the kingdom. And he says, the kingdom of God is like a king who sends out invitations. I'm sure you guys are familiar with this one. He sends out invitations. He's like, I'm going to have a banquet, and I'm going to throw a party, and I'm going to make it so good, and I'm going I'm to send it out. But when I send it out, the first person comes back to me and says, I can't come because I just bought a field. Then the second person says, I can't come because I have a yoke of oxen I need to tend to. And then the last one says, I can't come because I just got married and I need to tend to my wife. And then it says the king was frustrated, but he went out and began to send the invitation out to the highways and the byways that, that the house may be full. What we see here and what we see in these texts being connected is that it's not bad and evil things that keep you out of God things. It's the good things that keep you out of the God things. It's the good things that keep you out of the kingdom. It's permissible. It's not only permissible, it's honorable. Marriage, the scripture says, is to be in high esteem and held above all things, right? It's like the Bible says that marriage is good. It's a picture of Christ in the church, right? Amen. Work is good, right? If you don't work, you don't eat. Amen. To the men in the house. <laughs> some, some of y'all probably just need to hear that. <laughs> um, well, I got distracted again. <laughs> what happened to John Wick? No. Okay. So, and then it goes back to work, to marriage, and to wealth. So it's talking about buying fields. So, God has no problem with you growing. He wants his people resourced, just like Jake was saying. He wants us resourced so that we can move forward and not be strapped uh, with money. It says the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. So once again, the Bible doesn't condemn money. It condemns the love of money. So the, the elevation of something beyond what is its appropriate measure. So the thing that can keep you out of the kingdom is not bad and evil things as we grow, it's good things. And when a good thing gets in the way of God, a good thing becomes a God thing, that's actually called idolatry. I know, that's a tough word. It's true though. See, it's the good things that begin to grow and then they become God things. And here's the thing that we can begin to understand and why I'll go back to my story a little bit is you can tell when a good thing has become a God thing because it's where 
you draw identity from. Okay? So you can tell idolatry when it's starting to grow because it's where you start to draw identity. Why would I say, okay, so simply put, when you begin to say this is, it's easy for a man to begin to feel like he's somebody because he's making money. It's easy for a man to feel like he's somebody because of the work he does. You know, I am a businessman. I am a, a wealthy man. I are uh, marriage relationships. These good things established within here, which is wealth, work, and having a wife, our money, and marriage, these things are things that can grow and they begin to uh, impact our heart where we begin to identify ourselves with them. God, when he begins to do a work in our hearts, one of the first things he does is begin to speak to us when it comes to our identity. When he did a work in Abraham, he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. When he did a work in Jacob, he changed his name from Jacob to Israel. When he does a work in us, he makes us a new creation. And it says in Revelation, when he stands before us, he's going to give us a stone that has a new identity on it. And that's the place where he's been dealing with us. But this place that I want to go to that's right there in the heart of the matter is that sometimes we can draw our identity or we can think we're somebody by what we're doing, by who we're re related to, who we're in relationship with. And we say, this is who I am. So this makes me somebody important. And I know this is under the surface. So this stuff is a little bit hard to, it's hard to pull out. This stuff is the stuff that's easy to miss because this is the stuff that everybody around you will applaud you for doing. Everybody will. Everybody will say, good job. What a great job you have. Look at how much money you make. I love your marriage. But God can say, well, that good thing I gave you has become bigger than what I anticipated it or what I wanted it to. And then those good things that he gave you keep you out of the God things he has ordained for you. That's what he's teaching. That's what happened with Eve. That's why we need discernment. Because not every good thing is a God thing. And sometimes the good things have grown into God things, and that's idolatry. And the reason why I'm bringing it is because this is a story of my heart because I pastored. And who would not think that pastoring is good work? But I tell you, I've gone through this journey more than once now. And when I first came to the Lord, I had to go through a season of humility because I was a touring musician. And I didn't know it, but I had that as a badge of identity. I was like, I'm a musician, but I make money doing music, and I travel doing music, and I'm a touring musician. And I came to the Lord, and he had to peel that off of me. And in peeling it off of me, he's like, it's got to be enough for you to be mine and not that. And I was like, no, no, don't, no, I don't want to leave, no. And then I was like, oh, this isn't that bad. <laughs> Little did I know my heart's an idol machine, and I turned ministry into it. So I, I got in ministry, and I began to feel like I was somebody because I was somebody in the church. And all the while, the stuff that was in me was, was shriveling, 
the life that God had so graciously poured into me was actually dying while I'm in service of the king. G.K. Chesterton, which is one of those real thinkers, he says, how sad it is that those in service of the king are the most uh, often to neglect him. And, you know, Paul said it to the Galatians. He's like, who's bewitched you guys? You guys were doing great. Who bewitched you from simple devotion to Jesus Christ? You've made it about all these other things. And we do that. And I was busy in the work of ministry and in so doing was losing something that God had entrusted to me, something deep in my heart. And the Lord began to show me these things. So John 10, we know the text where it says, you know, those who enter the gate uh, is the good shepherd. But those who climb in another way, they're thieves and robbers. Everybody familiar with that text? It's a famous text. I was reading that, and the Lord was like, there's no climbing in my kingdom, Dallas. I was climbing a ladder in a church to become successful. And I was being applauded while I was climbing the ladder within the church. And then the Lord's like, hey, there's no climbing in the kingdom. Huh? <laughs> You're messing up my prayer meeting. <laughs> You're messing up the ministry, Lord. <laughs> He began to show me, I was climbing a ladder because I thought I needed to become somebody. And the Lord's like, you are somebody. You began as somebody. And a religious system will tell you you need to do something to be somebody. But the kingdom says you're born into it. It's not earning, it's inheritance. It's not a corporation, it's a family. It's not a for God mentality, it's a with God mentality. It's not to build a big church, it's to build big people. God will distinguish these things because these things, when you get into the things of God and you want to grow in God, the greatest masquerade for God is religion. It's the thing that you go at and you go like, I want to live for God. And the people in this room, the people I've met, y'all have a passion for God. You want to know the enemy will come and he will offer you a place in a religious system that will look like it, that will be good, that will be pleasant, that will be desirable, and it'll make you somebody. But all the while, the life that God would be growing you can shrivel in that place. That's why we need discernment. Because for me, I was growing in all those ways and uh, successful within those uh, places, but yet my intimacy with God. See, when you begin to lack intimacy, you point to all the activity you're doing. But look at everything I'm doing. And the Lord's like, hmm, hmm. A religious system will elevate excellent organization, 
but it will not cultivate a living organism. It's life. It's life. It is life. And that's what he gives us. Things are changing. We're, we're in a time of transition uh, corporately, nationally, at a worldwide level. Things are transitioning. Things are changing. And in changing times, we need to get rooted in things that do not change. We need to get established in the things that are immovable. And the reason why I've been speaking this, and this has been so deep in my heart, is that Hebrews 12 says that his kingdom is unshakable. It is immovable. Everything can be shaken that will be shaken, but don't be afraid because you've been given a kingdom that is unshakable. Can I tell you, when you have something rooted in the kingdom of God, you can tell because it doesn't get moved when everything else is moving. Discernment comes when you go, okay, I lost all these things, but what didn't I lose? And the Lord's like, yeah, there, think about that. And you begin to, because I had success in the church. And then it came undone in a way that was very unexpected for me. And I was like, what just happened? And I was left in a place of going like, I had a career path. I had a 40-year path established and already there. And then it just came undone. And I was like, what the heck? I was jarred. I was literally like a car wreck just took place. And I was going, I rebuke you, Satan. <laughs> and the Lord's like, eh, it doesn't work on me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> Who am I if I'm not a pastor? I'm his. <laughs> you know, we can make an idol out of so many things. I'll say that I've watched people who make an idol out of spirituality. And they're like, but I'm spiritual. And then they go off and they talk about all these things like weird stuff. Like they just go into la-la land. And I see this in the fringes of charismania <laughs> and I am a charismatic mind you <laughs> but really what that is when you go that way and you're like I'm spiritual and you go down all these untrodden paths really Jesus is not enough for you you're saying he's not enough I was telling him he's not enough I was saying, but I want the ministry. I want the stages. I wanted this. And the Lord's like, no, you're neglecting the thing that I've given you, which is life and intimacy in the kingdom, me working inside of you. And I could not see that until those things were unraveled. And what I want to encourage really with today is that many times the undoing of good in your life is the introduction to God. It's when good is undone, 
that you begin to get a fresh picture of the kingdom of God in your life. Because if something could be undone and it's shakable, then the word of God says it wasn't the kingdom anyways. You know, the Bible says that storms come to the just and the unjust. There is no way you're getting out of here without a storm. It's not happening. Everybody who lives under the sun is gonna go through hard times. Hard times are gonna happen to good people. But when a hard time happens and storms come to the believer, what it does is it doesn't destroy, it reveals. So when the storm comes and does all the shaking, you don't need to be grieving and moaning and everything that was lost in the storm. You need to recognize what was left. Because what was left is what God is wanting you to build on. And in this time where all this stuff has been changing and moving and we've been in a constant state of flux, we need to be reminded that the simple things, the kingdom does not change. God's spirit and centralizing Jesus and his word and being rooted in the word of God while also being empowered by the spirit of God is not going to change. And he's going to provide because the Bible says, seek first the kingdom and he'll provide everything else. See, when you have God, the God thing preeminent, then the good things follow. But if you let the good things step in the way of that, then you're going to miss what God has for you. So this is the place where it's discernment. Because many times it's hard for us to do the work of actually recognizing when this takes place, you know. I think the Lord began to show it to me over and over right before he was about to do this work in my life. And then I'm like, oh, like Bill Johnson says, if you're not hearing the Lord right now, go back to the last thing he said, you know. And I begin to go back to the last things he said. And I could remember reading where he did the eight woes to the religious leaders. Like Jesus went on a tirade. And he's like, woe to you religious leaders. You love the seats where you love to, you know, sit and do this. You love to pray out loud where everybody can see you. Woe to you. And he's saying the eight woes. And then directly after, this is so funny because I feel like I'm like this. The disciples are walking with Jesus and they're like, look how beautiful that big religious temple is, you know? And they're directly after the eight woes. They're like, isn't it a beautiful temple? Like, didn't they do a great job building it? Right, Jesus? (laughs) And Jesus is like, not one stone will be left on another. Whoa. And I had the Lord speak that to me and he let me see that I had grown in a religious system and I had learned how to be successful in a religious system and in so doing it was killing kingdom life in me and he said not one stone will be left on another I'm going to deconstruct that's a funny word but he was breaking down some of that stuff in my heart so that he could get back to the root of love for Jesus and participating with what he's doing. Religion will always be man-initiated. And thank God, over the course of time, you know, it's like, in a general sense, thank God that men have tried to get to God. That's what you see with all the world religions. And when you get down to the root of them, they're all a way of trying to get to God. Therefore, they're all works-based. 
So you get down and they're all a form. This is how you can get to God. This is how you can get to God. This is our way of getting to God. This is our way of getting to God. Well, the kingdom is God getting to you. See, the kingdom is God initiated. The gospel is God initiated. The gospel is Jesus came down right in the midst of it, put on flesh, walked among us, lived a perfect life, shed his blood, and then called us into the resurrection life that he now lives in. See, he did it. He initiated, and then he calls us to participate with it. It changes and flips everything on its head, saying, I don't want you a part of the religion and the religiosity that is all man-initiated. I want you to be in a place where you're participating with my spirit, where it's God-initiated action, God reigning. The kingdom of heaven has come when you're seeing the sick healed, the blind seeing the dead walking. You're seeing marriages reconciled, hearts healed. You're seeing churches flourish where God's spirit is beginning to breathe on prayer meetings. You know, God initiated action where the Holy Spirit is front and center. See, and I became really good. I could build a church right now and you could learn how to build a church without the presence of the Holy Spirit at all. And you could do a really good service and do three points in a poem and get people out the door and everybody's happy and paying their tithe and everybody's good, but yet the Holy Spirit never moved on it at all and everybody's still pleased. And that's scary. That's scary that we've learned how to do church so good that we can do it without God. I think God's over that. I think God wants to be in the midst of his people and God wants to be moving in his church. So all that words to say that I just want to give us an opportunity. Um, the message I think individually would be that the unraveling of good is actually can be an awakening for you. Maybe there's been some good things that you had that came undone, but that actually is going to be the place where God is going to move the greatest. And that's what happened. And I, I've had to struggle to find this message in the midst of what I walked through. But then I begin to see it. And the Lord was like, I wanted to get you back to the heart of worship. I wanted to get you back to simple devotion. I wanted to get you back to the kingdom, to enjoying God. Just like what Pastor Chris said this morning. It's getting back to the place of enjoying him and loving him. And sometimes good has grown too good. Good has grown too big. And those things need to be moved out of the way for a new season of God to breathe on something. So let's stand to our feet. I had a picture, uh, and what I'll illustrate it with is sometimes it's something being removed that actually allows what God wants to do to start. And I've shared this before in a little ministry time, but I felt it again when I was praying for this service. And the Lord showed me 
he told me, it's like, it's so easy to be led by my spirit. He was like, you were created to be led by my spirit. Jesus said that the, those who are led by the spirit, they're like the wind. You don't know where they're coming from or you don't know where they're going. He said that to Nicodemus when he's speaking of the new birth. And that place, you thinking of the wind, he began to show me when he was showing this to me of a feather floating, just free, just flying around, just movement. And it was just moving with this gentle breeze, but it was carrying this feather wherever it wanted to go. And then I saw a stone that was right there and I saw a stone on a feather. The wind's still blowing, but the feather unmoving. And he's like, your soul, Dallas, your spirit is like that feather. And my wind's always blowing, but you have to remove the stone. And if you remove the stones, if you get something out of the way, then it's going to allow that leading to come. And I want to encourage you, God's never stopped leading. We asked, we're like, where'd you go, God? He's like, no, no, it's not where God goes, it's where we go. He's not stopped leading. He's not stopped blowing. His wind, his spirit is still moving is we need to remove some things. We need to get the stones off. Sometimes some good things need to be undone so that we can be introduced into what God is doing. Sometimes we gotta remove some stones in our life so that we can have a fresh movement of God's spirit and be led into the next thing he has. I say this because in a time of transition, this is what you need. And I wanna give just a space right now where we can engage with that, where you can have a fresh conversation with God. So let's just shut our eyes. You can ask him, is there any good that you've undone, God? Is there any stone that you want removed? Hmm. It's okay, you can just quiet your soul and ask him, he'll answer, he'll show you. It's just after Easter and it rolled the stone away and that's where resurrection life comes from. I just believe right now that some things that God is moving, he's gonna allow resurrection life to come to things that you thought were dead things that you thought were dead, that were lifeless, things that were dreams of your heart at one time, but they were dead. Well, now God wants to roll that stone away. He wants to remove that stone and behind that resurrection, life is gonna come. God is gonna breathe fresh life. His kingdom is gonna move in the very place where everybody has given up hope, including you. So right now, Lord, we just cast our cares on you. Lord, right now, we just cast uh, our crowns. Lord, right now, we just cast, Lord, every stone. Lord, right now, we unburden our souls. Lord, we want to have a moment where we can unburden our souls and cast our cares on you because we know that you're good. So let's just sing this.
just a little bit longer. Just press into this place. Catherine Coleman said, God doesn't use silver vessels. He doesn't use gold vessels. He uses yielded vessels. These little spaces where we begin to yield our spirit. And if you feel it, you can come to the altar. You can come forward. You can focus and just get before him. A yielded heart, a yielded vessel, removing the burdens, removing the stones. Right now, Lord, we just trust your spirit to breathe fresh life. work right now in some of your hearts you need to believe it oh right now holy spirit i thank you lord for healing hearts where there's been pain and disillusionment lord right now you're giving language lord you're speaking to hearts lord oh you holy jesus come do that deep work god He's moving right now. Lori, God is doing a work in you right now. God is restoring, and you need to hear that every year you feel that you've lost, God is restoring. He's going to restore every bit. He said he is the Lord, your redeemer. He is going to redeem all things. Everything that the enemy meant for evil, he's going to turn to good. Where the flood came in, God is raising up a standard against him. God is raising up a standard and a flood of mercy, a flood of grace, a flood of healing over your family, a flood over your ministry journey. Y'all have such strong ministry in you. You have such a call. Lord, I thank you for healing the call of God. I thank you, Lord, for healing, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for doing that work, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for doing such great work in our heart, Lord. We just yield this to you, Lord. Thank you. If there's just a place before we close, if God's doing a work in your heart, and you want to continue, press into it. And if you want people to pray just a body ministry moment, then you can sort of just put up your hand and let's just gather if, if anybody wants that. Um, but otherwise, we're going to release and just keep this moment where it is for some of the people if they want to stay in it. Um, so we just, we love you. We bless you. May anything uh, good in what the Lord said, may it bless your heart. May it resonate deep. May it bear fruit. May his kingdom advance. 
May the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven in our hearts and in this place. We thank you, Lord Jesus, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. resources and information about Resurgent ATL, please visit our website.